0: I'm content creator Corey Walmsley, the founder of Aurora Corialis Publishing. I'm dedicated to helping women entrepreneurs make a big impact by turning the next page with tools, tips, and resources that empower and connect the dots through books, publishing, and more. Every episode includes me along with a featured guest on my globally recognized show, Page Turner Studio with Corey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Page Turner Studio with Corey. I'm your host, Corey Wamsley, CEO of Aurora Corialis Publishing and author of 10 books. My tenth one is coming out in November, so be looking out for that. Very excited about it. Uh, today we have an amazing guest, just like a, we always do. Um, today we have Dory Durbin. Um, so we're gonna be talking about how to leverage a children's book for your business with children's book coach Dory Durbin. And she is oops, let me bring that up. Um, so she is a Christian wife, mom, author, and illustrator and a kids book coach who grew up who grew up most of her life in a rural town in Michigan. She creates kids books that provide a fun and safe passageway for kids and parents to better express emotions, which I think is just, Wonderful. I think that's a much needed thing in this world. And she also coaches other authors to create their own kids' books and share their expertise to help families. Dory has written three children's books in her Little Cat Feelings series. So we're going to be talking about kids' books today, but it's also going to be things that are applicable to your business. So I'm really, really excited about this, and I'm going to bring her up from the green room. Welcome, Dory. Hi, Corey. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. I love talking about children's books with people who really know what, what we can do with them because they, I think they're so powerful, and a lot of times we really underestimate them.
1: You know, it's so true. I think when we become adults, we forget that magic that kids' books have
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that power just to bind the kids and the reader Um, in this case, the adult who's reading to them sometimes. um, It is just such a powerful, powerful connection that that we just forget. We get older and it just kind of slips out. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I completely agree with you. And I feel like You know, I I have kids who are eight and ten, and I remember reading some books to them, and they're always, you know, my favorites. And they ended up being their favorites too. And I think that it's very interesting when you get those books that's like, you know, you like it, the kid likes it, and then you're reading it, and you get to do all this powerful stuff. I think that that energy shines through when you're reading with it with them. It really
1: does. And those are memories that they keep. You know, it's funny. My kids are in college, and I'll bring up a book, and they can recite it for me. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> And I just think, oh my goodness, did we read that too many times? You know, but it, it resonated with them. They yeah. were drawn into the character, they were drawn into the story. They had this just um overwhelming sense of connection to this book yeah. and to that specific moment when
0: we we're reading. So it's very, very powerful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that they still remember the books. <laughs> do it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about your books, too. So I'm going to pop these up so everybody can see these adorable covers. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Tell me what got you interested in writing children's books. So I was a teacher for over 10 years Mm -hmm. and, of
1: course, a mom at the same time. And I had so many of those mom guilt moments where I felt like I was spending time with them, but I was torn in other areas. And the book seemed to be that one thing that was a commonality and a time when we weren't rushed. We yeah. weren't trying to hurry off to the very next thing. It was like we had this moment. And I just longed for that as a mom, especially as they got older and busier. And like I said, now in
0: college, oh, yeah. I'll
1: just read a book to you kids. you know. <laughs> so what happened, though, is I was always what I call a closet artist, I never told people that I drew. I was always very quiet about it, and I always loved to write. So it took my becoming a teacher for that time, leaving the profession because I had a health issue, and really missing those moments to just create and to tell stories that connected. And I actually, as I got older, I realized just it's not even – The creation. It's that moment of connection that I really wanted to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, So of course, as everyone else, so many authors had this free time in COVID. I actually started right before COVID and my book came out during and right at the beginning of COVID. So I got in two class visits with my book and boom, everything was shut down. And so I was so desperate to share my book that I started to write another book. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of, you know, progressed from there. So my books are really on trying to help kids identify what emotion is going on within them. And and it may not even – my books don't tell them what that emotion is. It's more like an exploration. Um, And then taking that next step and having them talk about it after – the book is over. And I think that's that's the key thing in my mind is we can give them all this information, but if there's not a conversation afterwards, it, it really doesn't serve a purpose. Um, and so anyway, the, the very first book was Little, um, Little Cat Needs Space. And that was, like I said, before COVID, but it was about having personal space, <laughs>
0: So, i found um, that really ironic
1: oh yeah yeah it was so crazy because here i'm like you know little cat needs space she's distance from dog and here we are with this six foot rule <laughs> and i was like oh my goodness this is crazy so after we came out of covid i actually had some classrooms purchase that because we were still in that situation where okay. we're still trying to maintain space wow. um, little cat feels left out developed before i had the next book read but at the next book read, the kids said, I noticed that dog, um, the minor character in the story, he has a stuffed animal named Mr. Fuzzy." And they said, well, why does dog have one and little cat doesn't? And so that whole concept of jealousy and being the third wheel and all those pieces came into little cat feels left out. Okay. And then those same kids I saw the following year and they said, well, when are you going to write a big kid's book? Why aren't you writing... <laughs> i said okay challenge accepted so that's where the next book came in and it's kind of modeled off of the mercy watson series where you have another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, parallel stories going on at the same time that finally weave back into each other. And yeah. so that's what happened with um, Little Cat and Dog's Birthday Bake. Uh, you have multiple conflicts, but eventually they all come together and everything works out pretty well. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, my goodness. That is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a great story, like how you came up with all of these. Um, I think what I found particularly funny about Little Cat Needs Space was when we started the pandemic, um, you know, my kids were in school, so they were coming home and just all of a sudden they were like, hey, we're going to be home for the next few weeks. <laughs> And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm an introvert and I needed space. So that's what I was laughing about was now. Like, oh, oh, that came out right before I really needed space. <laughs> that's, that was
1: exactly, you know, it was so funny when it was, I mean, I was literally publishing it and had it in my hands when everything shut down. And I said so many times, like I said it, my kids said it, my husband said it. I was just like, I just need some space, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's what we were feeling. We were feeling that overwhelming sense of this emotion we'd never really experienced before. And, and yeah. so, yeah, yeah, it is
0: quite ironic. Oh, that is so beautiful, it, you know, in, in the way that it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing all that. That's amazing. Um, I've, I wanted to tell you too. Like it's it's so interesting how our life stories kind of play into um, what we're writing too. I I find that fascinating. Um, I've had a lot of the same experiences. Uh, I don't know if I ever mentioned to you, I had written a children's book with my daughter London. Oh. Um, it's Monkey Mermaid Magic. This one. Aww. Yeah. Um, she was five when she approached me and said she wanted to write a story about her monkey coming to life. Monkey is her lifelong companion, still sleeps with her. She's 10 and she still sleeps with monkey, but she's not going to watch this podcast. So she doesn't know I told, Um, but yeah, she, uh, she came to my office one day and, this is another thing like I love that it's just kind of normal for our kids to think that, oh, you know, people are just writing books and, you know, your kids could probably come to you and be like, you know, I'm thinking about a book. What do you think? And you could just have a conversation with them. Um, I love that about you know this time in our lives, like like what an amazing time that we could just be like, yeah, let me help you write a book. Uh, but with this one, you know, London wanted to write a book. And so we started talking about some of the things that go on in the playroom. You know, how how are you guys interacting and what what challenge do we want Monkey to have? And we ended up deciding that Monkey felt left out. Um, so a very similar story. You know, Monkey was feeling left out because all of a sudden they realized that Monkey came to life and Monkey could grant wishes. And the girls were very excited about that, but they weren't as interested in Monkey herself. And monkey was feeling like, like, I've got to find this picture because <laughs> it is one of my favorites. Um, I illustrated this one too, um, the perturbed monkey. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, I kinda kinda with that. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that that was the same sort of thing. We were we were thinking, like, okay, now how how would we do this? And you know, what's going on? And that's something I had noticed was mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when the girls had a friend over, they were involved in something else. Monkey was just kind of <laughs> thrown to the side. Monkey felt left out, I'm sure. Yes. Um yeah. So I, I just wanted yeah. to share about that yeah. because I was
1: it's yep. kind of funny. Um, let me find, I'll find my picture. They won't be able to see this though. That's the bad thing. But um, <laughs> when I was thinking through that myself, it was kind of like uh same kind of scenario that little cat was left out because everything was happening. I don't know if you can see Aww. that. Yeah. You know, and dog is there hanging out, doing everything with little cat and, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the same kind of thing. They just feel kind of cast aside, unimportant. Now, my cat, I tell people I'm not advocating for taking things from people, but the cat actually takes Mr. Fuzzy and examines him while a uh, dog is asleep because she wants to know exactly what makes this so important, you know, this stuffed animal. So I think it's that same kind of vibe. And it's interesting to me, too. You have two similar parallel storylines. But the author's takes on the situation and the characters are quite a bit different. Yeah. That's the amazing thing. I think about kids books too. You can have the same theme. You can be addressing some of the same problems, but your books are going to turn out completely different because of your take and your perspective on what's going to happen. So,
0: yeah, that's actually something that a lot of authors will ask me. They'll say, you know, I have this idea for a story, whether it's a kid's book or an adult book. Um, But I know there are lots of other stories out there like that. And I have to tell them, you know, your experiences make it different. The way that you're going to frame it is going to make it different. So, yes, it's okay to put that book out there. Yeah, I
1: think a lot of people are really um, scared off. From writing kids' books because of that, you know, you get that imposter syndrome of, oh, you know, I've I've never done this. I don't really have that big a story. Um, There's other stories out there that are like Caldecott winners, and you know, (laughs) and that's who I'm up against. But you're not, you know, you will have your own niche, your own audience, your own focus. And eventually, if you get a couple of them out there, you'll have your own following because they'll be wanting the next book. And that's probably what you found too with your ten.
0: Yeah, yeah. Once I get books out and people start hearing about my stuff, then you know they'll go back and say, "Oh, you know, well, I need to pick up this one, or well, when's the next one coming out? I need to know about this." Or I have people approaching me saying, "This character, I love her. Can you write about her next?" <laughs> Which is great. It is yeah. great. And you're yeah. looking at
1: your calendar, going, "Yep, uh, next year." Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: let me pencil that in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a great thing. Yeah, so I wanted to share your impactful page turner share. Every family-centered professional or expert needs to have their own kids book. Generational change can happen for kids if we reach them early in life. There's nothing like a book to do that. Um, that sounds like it came from my heart as well. <laughs> so uh, I wanted you to talk a little bit about this generational change and and how this happens. Yeah, so I think
1: far too often we anticipate people making major changes in their lives when they're in their thirties. You know, Mm -hmm. there's some major um, disappointment, some life event that comes along and reality kind of hits us in the face and we're like, okay, I've got to make some changes. And, I know that that feeds a lot of professionals' careers because, you know, they're coaching, they're um, therapists, whatever avenue Mm -hmm. that they are doing this treatment or the imparting of the wisdom is as adults. They have adult clients. And so much of what we learn and we establish as our normal is when we're kids. And so, you know, sometimes people have parenting hang-ups from their past. They have uh, histories that weren't the most uh, warm and cozy and encouraging. And that's what they know, but that's not what they want to impart to their kids. Mm -hmm. So there's like this, in my mind, there's this gap between what kids can receive and where we want them to go as parents and future adults. Because we haven't had that. We haven't had that connection. So in my mind, why wouldn't professionals have a kid's book that can reach that younger audience that can help foster some of those beliefs and those skills or habits or techniques that the, the expert or professional is offering and teach them at that young age. When you can have that parent bonding time, you can start to establish some of those routines and those internal beliefs. And then as they grow, They'll know you, but they'll also be growing into this this person that is more empowered, more capable, has less hangups, hopefully, you know, and it's just, there's just this hole that I feel like that's where the kids' books need to fit in. And like we said at the beginning, this is a time, this is a time for parents to be able to invest in um, kind of like a low risk, low stress level type of connection that isn't scolding, tattling you know, redirecting, correcting any of those pieces. It's very loving, very comforting, very comfortable for both people. So that's, that's where my heart is too.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's, it's like, you know, building this strong foundation. So later on, if they do need to do that healing, they're already halfway there because they have that strong foundation. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I worked with a, a teen speaker um, and she, said that a lot of her drive for writing her kid's book was off the fact that she couldn't multiply herself enough in time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she was reaching mainly the kids that were older. She, she worked with mainly girls, um, but most of her clients were like 15, 16, 17 years old. She yeah. said, I really need to get them when they're like 10, 11, 12. Yeah. And so she wrote her book as kind of a a bridge for her business even because she knows that these kids start to have the problems earlier, but doesn't get to see them because they don't reach out to her until they're older. So this book is literally helping to bridge that gap where she she can still reach and make this impact. Yeah. She has new connections from it. She has the current clients. And then she's also kind of expanding that to more people. So all of a sudden, you know, these people that have never met her before see her on Amazon and they're like, oh, that looks like an interesting book. I wonder who she is. And they kind of go through the book and then eventually reach out to her. So it is, it's, it's a very efficient way of marketing what you do, but also serving the people who you already serve earlier on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really brilliant share too. Um, for anyone who's working on books, mm-hmm. is to look at who you serve and think about how you can get those people prepared. Um, so you don't necessarily need to serve them all, because of course you can't multiply yourself and serve every person on the planet. Um, but also those people who you know are catch- you're catching them early on, then they might say, you know what. I do need to come to her. Mm -hmm. I do need to work with him. And then you can move on and work with that person. So that was a really good share. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, the other thing too is interesting is when I talk to
1: professionals who want to kind of Bridge that gap. You know, they've got, they might even have an adult book already. They have adult content Mm -hmm. and they look at it and they say, Well, how in the world am I ever going to get that to kid level? I like to call it kid sizing the content because you're literally taking it down to its most refined form and presenting that at a simple level. And it's interesting because a lot of times what they find out is, I don't think I can have just one book. I actually need to have a few books yeah. because they're, they pillars of what they do can be their own books in themselves. And so suddenly they start to think about, well, I'll start with this one, but if there's that one, I might actually want one more. Yeah, And just to kind of help with that process. So it is, it's a totally doable thing, but I think when you have this book that's over, you know, 500 pages, 200, to 500 pages, and you think, how many need it down to 32?
0: Right. It's kind
1: of overwhelming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to talk about your being a page turner tip. Listening to and investing in the audience I'm writing for has been key to creating my books. So when you're working with kids, I find this interesting because, of course, they're, you know, they're spitting out what they want to you. Um, <laughs> is there a way that you kind of, like reach out and say, okay, here's some things I'm thinking about. And, you know, how do you do this? Yeah. So my favorite way to do it is in person if I can. Okay.
1: Um, and usually at the end, you get some crazy, crazy stuff, which just makes me laugh. Um, you know, like unicorn aliens, and um, they should hire a robot to do X, Y, Z, like it's, it's out there. Yeah. And it's, um, so, I tell them, I say, well, these are great ideas. Let's, I'll write it. And I write every single one down and I take them home and I pull out the ones I need. Yeah. But as far as off being in person and just out in the world, uh, a lot of times, you know, Facebook is can be your best friend because you can put a post out there, alert a few people, say, hey, I'm considering writing these books. Will you talk to your kids for me? And if they say yes, then I do the DM private messages and we get kind of a group. So my last book, that's what we did. And we eventually just made a complete Facebook group that was a private Facebook group. And I had my pre-readers. I had my voters for my covers. I had this whole community that was giving me you know a little bit of back and forth play as far as um, what they did like, what they didn't like. Um, Of course, I didn't follow every suggestion, but I took the ones that really fell into what I was looking for. And Mm -hmm. at the end, we had this big party. I was able to take the ones in person and do a launch with them and did that in person. Yeah. So we, since it was the birthday party one, we had a birthday party and just celebrated the fact that the book was done and launching that day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was really fun to have that that interplay and have the openness um, because I was getting a lot of really great feedback from the kids.
0: That's cool. I love the Facebook group idea. And I love that you involved more than just like two or three people. It, it really helps, I think, to build that community and you're building that know, like, and trust. So then by the time they get to the book launch, of course they're going to buy the book. <laughs> of course they're going to tell their friends, Hey, I, I told her to put this in.
1: Yes. Yes, actually. And I've seen too, and I haven't tried this. I'm very interested in how this would work. I've seen where they've actually had other authors say, I'd love to have a vote on um, names of my characters. Uh-huh. I'm really attached to the names of my characters, so I, you know, hate to give that one piece up, but yeah. but even if it was, like, the town that the story took place in or, you know, name some piece of the story, yeah. and the way that they had the kids um, actually buy in was by reading the story and then writing a review, and then in their next book, they were allowed to pick whatever it was, so they randomly drew kids and that kind of thing, so, Yeah. 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 There's a lot of really, that's the other thing with like kids books. It's so different. It's a lot different. It's not maybe completely different, but giving kids small rewards for doing things is huge. And their perception of you as an author is kind of like, it's, it's such a novelty for them to be able to meet you, to be able to talk to somebody who wrote a book. Like they are in awe because this is something that they start to think I could do. And so it's it's like such a fun
0: audience to write for. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's so much fun. <laughs> so um, I'm going to share the turn page tip with Corey. Writing children's books means that you're selling to two audiences, kids and parents. How do you navigate that with your authors? Yeah.
1: So I have had some situations where I've had to redirect authors. Um, we're we have to be a little bit sensitive to the wording sometimes of the stories. And, you know, a lot of times authors have the tendency to want to um, either use language that the kids may or may not understand or language that maybe just will come across oddly on a parent's ear. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like a balance of, okay, this sounds great to you. And I understand where you're coming from, Mm -hmm. But let's flip it and think about if you were the parent reading this to your child, what would draw red lights in your mind? And it can be like just a word or the way the word is phrased. It can be just small little things. Um, The hard thing is we get as writers, we get so attached to our baby books that I think you've probably heard this term, maybe even used it, the killing your darlings term. (laughs) You know, when you have to go in and make a change on something that you've been working so hard on and are so proud of, it can be really, really painful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, taking it from that perspective of, okay, this is a great story, but let's see how it resonates on different ears. Um, I've even encouraged people to take just the rough draft and share it with people that they really are comfortable with who aren't going to just say it's, you know, beautiful and perfect people who are going to be honest, and just get just not the editing done, but get the feedback from them. Because I think when we do that, we're a lot more aware of what the book is really saying. So. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's hard as an author to be able to kind of tamp down your ego <laughs> and say, all right, it's not about me. So yes. I, I think that's a really important conversation. And I appreciate what you shared about how you work with your authors. That's yeah. that's really good. Thank you, too. Yeah. Um, so this is the make an impact tip with Corey. Consider how you can be inclusive when writing your book, whether it's a kid's book or an adult's book. Um, and something I noticed about yours, they're all about animals. So it's not like you have, you know, different ethnicities that, you, that you're that you trying to work in or that you're trying to um, make sure that you have kids with different abilities or anything like that. Is this something that you thought about before you did the cat yes. and dog?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. Actually, um, I had. I'm I'm half Hispanic, and don't look it. <laughs> and so, growing up, I mean, I experienced some of those um, tendencies or some of the tensions that were there. And I debated. You know, I'm like, do I want a Hispanic character? Do I want a white character? Do I want a female? Do I want a male? Right. Who am I really speaking to? And. Luckily, my major inspiration for the books was my kids and my pets. They were kind of at the same time. So for me, it was easier and simpler to go with the animals that were colorful and kind of just, you know, stay out of that whole range. Now, on the flip side, being an illustrator for other people, I have intentionally had big conversations about who do you want as minor characters in this story? What do you want represented behind the scenes? Um, you know, do you, do you have any reason why you're not using XYZ? You know, like these yeah. are conversations that really have to come up now because you do want kids to be included. You don't want anybody to be left out. You want the book to resonate with those people that really need that book and want to open that door up to them. So yeah, it's, yeah, for mine, it was, it was a little easier because I went the animal route. But when you pick people, it's a lot different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it's a conversation we've had too. We've put out so far three children's books and then we have two more that are like in the pocket getting ready. Um, and that's always a conversation, you know, how do we want to handle this? Um, and of course some people want to write about their kids like monkey mermaid magic is about my daughters. So it's like two little white girls. They're actually a quarter Italian by the way, and they are, they are white with blonde hair. So (laughs) they don't look it either, but, um, yeah, it's, with some of the other books we've discussed like, okay, well, you have your children in here. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at one right now that there are all these animals. So we tried to make it very diverse with the animals. Okay. We have tons of different animal animals. Obviously they're diverse. We have male, we have female, we have some that we refer to them, you know, in a way that you couldn't really tell is it male or female, Mm -hmm. um, and it was a really interesting thing to look at like how are we going to be inclusive in this book and you know we have different families so there was a family where um uh two of the characters or one of the characters the parents were gay and there was another character that was raised by a brother um mm-hmm. so we were trying to like think about all these different families and i mm-hmm. i love that this is something that goes into the process now that it's not just i wrote a book here it is All right, bye. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's so much more than, I think, I think when authors have their, their book idea in their mind, those are pieces that they don't think about at Mm -hmm. first. And then as the book gets closer and closer to being produced, suddenly they're more aware of the books on the shelves and the kids around. And, and so they become these conversations that they are, they're really important piece of the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that brings me to my last question I would ask you about um because these are things that you know us as authors so we're we're both authors we've both also coached too so I think we can put on two different hats here. So as the author um you know we're thinking here but what you know as a coach for children's books what do you think that does um you know, when an author approaches you with a story, how does that help them instead of just saying, all right, I'm writing my book and here it is?
1: Yeah. The, the coaching piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for my own ex- experience too, I had a coach with my chapter book. Okay. And part of the reason that I did that was because I knew where I wanted to go and I could see the path from beginning to end. It was the in-between that just felt rocky and I just was procrastinating. I was like not sure which – I kept changing my mind and it was like I just needed somebody to come alongside and say, okay, here's a date. Here's what you're going to get done. Here's some things to think about in the meantime and just kind of push me past the procrastination, push me past the uncertainty. And I – At least my experience is every author has felt just like, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I will like big enough, you know, to do this, all of those pieces, it helps to have the coach. And like we said just a little bit ago, there are parts to a book that you wouldn't even consider. Um, I worked with a lady yesterday and she was all ready to go. Like All I was helping her do was get it onto Ingram. And as we were setting up her files and making sure everything was, you know, like in the right spot and we had the barcodes, you know, in the right place, I looked at her and I said, do you have a back cover? Oh. <laughs> she said, no, no I don't. <laughs> so, um, okay. You know, and that's just, you get into the process and yeah. it's just... Like you just something you're not thinking about because the story is done in your mind. So having a coach alongside you to make sure you're checking all the boxes, you're getting through some of those obstacles. I think it's huge, don't you think?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't worked with a coach myself, but I have coached people on things and, and had the same sort of thing happen where it's like, oh, well, obviously, but no, nobody thought of it. <laughs> I've worked with, um, I know my cover designers pointed out stuff like, um, hey, this, and I'm going, oh yeah, well, clearly, yeah. <laughs> or my editor or a beta reader, or even um, like our PR person will reach out and say, hey, I was reading the back book here that you sent me and I spotted this. What do you think You know, is it supposed to say that? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess that does come across as something completely different. So I think it's important to have a coach, to have editing, to have, you know, all these team members and be able to have these conversations. And it all helps create a much better book. I
1: think the unbiased editor is so huge because I think when you've read it so many times and you've tweaked the shape and the font and all of those things, it just looks Perfect and the same because you've seen it so much. And that unbiased editor who's just has no buy in to this book really is able to have that eagle eye for you. And I think that's super important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you on that. Well, before we go, um, do you want to show some of your other client books? I know you have them with you.
1: I I will show this guy too. I did get brave and do a plushie, which I thought was so fun. Yeah. And then, yep. So I have my three books. This is, um, one by Alondra Bustos. And it's actually in Spanish and English. It's the Phoebe and Penny series. Cool. And then this is this is the second I have two books um, with Natasha Humor. And Natasha is actually a kid author. She is 12. And she's got two books out there. And so this is one of them. And then Oh, sorry, this is Puppy's Beach Adventure, just in case you couldn't see that. And then One Day at a Time by Tucker Brown. And this book actually is really special because it's for his mom. And he started off writing it only for her. And that was the only copy he was going to make. And by the time we went through the process, he decided that he really wanted to get there out on Amazon. And so now it's out on Amazon. So it's kind of exciting to see him taking that step. He is a college student. So. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He took that opportunity um, to take where his heart was and create it into something that is a a keepsake for his mom, which I thought was really amazing.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: It's so cool. Each of them have a story for sure. So, but that's probably my favorite one.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all of those and your beautiful work. Um, And thank you for being on the show today. It was so wonderful having you on. Well, thank you for your
1: time. And I, oh, and I have a podcast too, by the way. So yeah, yeah. It's called The Power of Kids Books. And I talk to professionals and try to get um, tips and tidbits that they can share with families as far as how they can help their kids. And if they have books too.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, well, we will make sure we include the link to the podcast in the marketing copy so everybody can see that. Thank you you for being on. And I'm going to drop you back to the green room. It was great seeing you today. Thank you so much, Corey. Thanks for the time today. Awesome. Well, that was another great show on Page Turner Studio with Corey. You can catch new episodes of Page Turner Studio at the link below. And we drop a new one every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific 10 a.m. Eastern on YouTube and you can get it anywhere that you get podcasts. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me today. You can learn more about me, my products and services at auroracorealispublishing.com. Make sure to join me for another episode every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Central on my globally recognized show, Page Turner Studio with Corey.